This is Sunday Skate on Sports Radio WEEI. First time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and the NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. Yeah, yeah. With Ken Laird from the Mud and Callahan Show. What a bunch of criminals. We ought to be in jail. That's all there is to it. WEEI.com Bruins writer Matt Kalman. He's the killer. Yeah. Sunday Skate is brought to you by Wise Snacks and by Star Market, the official supermarket of the Boston Bruins. He's just win, you know. We got a lot of losses. To yeah, we got a lot of losses. Lace him up for some beast talk right now on Sports Radio WEEI. Here we go. Two weeks of Sunday Skate. I've already had enough of Calman. I am in Montreal. I'm not even sure Calman can hear me at this point. You already retreated. You already retreated across the border. Yep. Gone, baby. Just to get away from me? Gone north. I sound all right? We're ready to roll? You don't sound very Canadian, though. All right. Hey. Yeah, fantastic. What a week, man. Uh, Five-game win streak for the Boston Bruins. They are in second place as we talk here this morning. Not sure how many uh, Bostonians, New Englanders stayed up for the late-night affair on the (laughs) West Coast. The uh, Ducks game was a little bit of a tough watch. Last night was actually, you were rewarded, Matty. Fantastic finish. Uh, I wouldn't call it a signature win because it's the Kings, after all, and they stink. (laughs) Right. But, but you know, you, you blow a lead late, yeah. and you get two goals uh, in the final 113 to bury L.A. and put them away and get another two points and keep this win streak going. So uh, yeah. close to signature, I'd say. Exactly. And considering all the, all the leads they've blown this year and all the times they've gone to overtime in a shootout for no reason lately against uh, terrible teams like that, it's, uh, yeah, it's good to get out of there with a regulation win and, and show, some, you know, so show some metal. So just housekeeping here, just to correct me if I'm wrong, 7-0-3 now in the last 10 for the Bruins. Yep. Uh, Toronto indeed falls behind them, although the Leafs have a game in hand. Toronto yep. gets shut out last night in Glendale by Arizona, 2-0. Uh, the same night these uh, Canadians up here got uh, shut out 3 nothing in Tampa, as Tampa continues to widen the lead in the Atlantic. They're fe- actually they're 15 points clear of the second-best team in the <laughs> yeah. NHL have, right now. They have more than 90 points, right? Uh, yeah, I've said... Uh, <laughs> 92. It's not even marked. Uh, it's pretty ridiculous. So, first place is gone. Uh, the first seed in the East is gone. But you're looking at now jostling here for the final 23 games with Toronto again for home ice advantage in a first-round series. Uh, not to say that Montreal's that far out of it, but then again, you know, right now Pittsburgh's on the outside looking into the playoff mix, uh, picture, and, you know, Montreal's in danger of missing the playoff spot there. But you're in a good position, and all this rewinding to earlier in the week when the Pasternak injury was so bizarre, sat yep. Sunday night. When did you first hear this, and have, have you gotten any clarity as to what happened a week later? Yeah, I mean, we found out that morning, the uh, Tuesday morning. It was kind of weird. You know, they, they had an off day Monday, so they had time to get the story straight and figure out what was going wrong. And uh, yeah, but what, what about the Kalman reporting? Have you actually gotten the correct <laughs> story of what happened? You didn't really. You just fell outside of a, a, a team function. Well, it's, it's icy out there, you know. I I understand. <laughs> I mean, but that's it. And so now it's thumb ligament issue. Yeah, thumb ligament issue and surgery and uh, surgery was successful as always, as yeah. they always are. Oh, of course, yeah. They don't they don't tell you when they're un- unsuccessful, right? But uh, I, I'm I'm guessing it's going to be four to four weeks at least. At least I'm not really guessing. Heard several experts in the field maybe say that it, you know you're looking at least four weeks. You know they'll reassess it in two, but that's just because they have to just see how how it responds and. Uh, 
It's a it's a tough situation here for the Bruins, don't you think? Well, you would think so. Although this week they've uh, you know gone the are we better without with or without Kyrie Irving? Are we better yeah. with or without David <laughs> right. Pasternak? I don't think anyone's saying that. That's for sure. <laughs> Why not? I mean, thirteen yeah. goals in the last three games. Yeah. Well, you know they've they've haven't exactly played the cream of the crop here. I mean, the Blackhawks were hot going into that game, but we know that they're pretty uh, pretty much in a semi rebuild here, and then. These two Southern California teams are an embarrassment. Uh, half their lineups are AHL guys, and especially the Ducks didn't even look like they were trying. You know, their, their general manager is coaching them, so uh, they obviously don't have any respect for that guy because he's never put on, he's never been behind a bench in his life, and uh, they're just going through the motions. And then the Kings look like they had a little fight with them, but I think it was more Kovalchuk trying to prove himself to the Bruins uh, than anything else. Cause yeah, it, it was quite like the goal celebration there after he blew that one past the yeah. Tuca last night. Exactly. There's no doubt he was trying to send a message, but any message he sends isn't going to take those uh, that extra year off his contract, so he can just he can celebrate all he wants. He lost the game, and he's I don't think he's ever coming here. So yeah, but the salary keeps coming down though, Matt. When, when you, didn't you tweet out that uh, they're going to pick up half now? What are they fifty percent? No, the last I heard was like twenty five percent. It's still four and three quarters million if you do that. Nice shot last night. Twelve goals. He would he would be uh, he would look he would look pretty. Would be an upgrade. Uh, it's no time to start investing in thirty five year old Russians here. They need to get some nice young Canadian speedsters, two way players that can come in and and fit it nicely, and hopefully guys that you'd resign after this year that you'd want to build around that some guy that you're going to have uh, on your David ba- you know hanging out with David Backus in a year. Well, of the four wins this week, they beat Colorado in overtime Sunday. On the Marchand uh, OT winner, but really, that uh, would you say that game, the Colorado win, was more about, as you call them, not the fourth line, the Wagner Achari Corrali line, yeah, uh, with you know shutting down uh, the McKinnon Landeskog Rista Rista line and yep uh, line, uh, ranting yeah, ranting in line. Sorry, uh, two shots and uh, yep. what uh, very little. Uh, in, in five on five chances in the second right. and third period in particular, exactly. And that line, I mean, that line's been the story almost of the whole month. Uh, you know. In Anaheim, like I said, that team was going through the motions, but you still have to clamp down on that gets left line, and they were out there most of the time. They were out there against tough matchups last night, and that's been it's actually been the case most of the past two months. Even if you you know, there's times where they break that line up, which just shows you know sometimes Bruce Cassidy gets a little carried away with his meddling, and it's part of it's also trying to fit David Backus in the lineup because he has no choice. But uh, I don't think that line's breaking up again anytime soon, and. It's it's basically your your third line, and it's the line that uh, you trust to not only shut down other lines, but uh, when they do that, it, fr- it frees up uh, Patrice Bergeron's line and David Backus's line to to play more offensive minded and not have to worry about the top matchups. Now, all that being said, they were on the ice last night for the game tire from Ayafalo with four twenty three left. It was a bad shift for sure. Um, you know, Grizzlick and Miller were as at fault as that line was, and I made a good shot. And uh, you know, sometimes assignments break down, but uh, if you're going to take it over the Take the small sample size versus the the last two months. I mean that line's been great, and I'm not I'm not so convinced that this this line can't be your third line in the playoffs. I'm sure it, uh, they could they could you know go with this strategy if they just bolster that fourth line and just add a, a veteran player, somebody a heady player who could play some center and a fourth play line some defense. Center. Yeah, I mean I would you know like they, a David Backus type. <laughs> well, David Backus maybe available. if he can't even play back to backs, you know you can't really rely on that. But when you look at guys like Brian Boyle and, and Nate Thompson who have been moved, yeah, um, those guys would have fit here depending. And the Thompson thing, you know, it looked like the price was right, but um, I guess we're still going to see what Trent, Trent Frederick can do. And he looked he looked much better last night. You know, always have to take the 
the caveat that what the powerhouse the, line that was <laughs> Trent Frederick and Carson <laughs> Coleman exactly and and and, uh, and, and Nordstrom and Nordy, you know yeah. so uh, that's not the fourth line you want to go in the playoffs with but uh, again it's you've you read off the standings you can't complain about too much you're at second place despite all the injuries despite the fact that the GM didn't address some of these needs and uh, so you know obviously it goes back to the coaching I wrote earlier this week. Uh, he's not the winner for sure, but Bruce Cassidy has to be in the the top, top three or four. Adam, the pom poms out in full force this week. Oh yeah, Bruce Cassidy, coach of the year, and you're already pumping Marchand for the heart. <laughs> that so. was just, that was just. I think that was just a, a drunken tweet, maybe you know. A tweet, but yeah, but that's a column in in, in progress right there. <laughs> I mean, that's that's coming. Absolutely. Um, no, I mean, there's a lot of things to praise about this team, but you're right when you look at the fourth line. And one of the other big developments of the week, besides you uh, elevating the Achari line to now the third line and capable of, of crushing in the playoffs, you know, the, the emergence of DeBrusque was, yeah. is huge. That right. is the biggest thing coming. Now, he's, he says he's streaky, and you're seeing it this week. Uh, but whatever. I don't care about yeah, bad competition. That is the key to the postseason. I guess he and Heinen, although I'm lesser of a believer that that's going to continue for him in the playoffs, but... On the other hand, you you got into a tweet exchange with this earlier in the week too. Pretty much anybody you throw out there, with Bergeron and Marchand, including Heinen, going back through the list of Riley Smith and Louis Erickson and Brett Connolly and uh, even Backus for a little <laughs> bit, uh, it's going to work. To it's going to be good enough. I it mean, should be. It yeah. should be good enough. Right. Exactly. So but, if you uh, get Pasternak back and and DeBrusque is playing like this, do you yeah. even need to go after Absolutely. a marquee winger? Yeah, you still need to do it because ideally you want to have Pasternak be with Bergeron and Marchand and make that line. The super line it's been, and the fact that DeBrus got hot here, you know, there's two things here. First of all, he's so hot, you you realize how great he and Krejci are. You need to find someone who can fit that third spot, and you also realize, you know, how much uh, when DeBrus is streaky, maybe it's because he doesn't have somebody to pick him up now and then. If every line needs, uh, you know, needs someone to pick them up when they're slumping. I mean, we even see it sometimes with uh, if Marshan's fighting the puck a little bit or Pasternak's in a drought. The other two guys pick him up, and so you need to have more than just Krejci and DeBrusque on that line. And, you know, Solaric, again, a placeholder, but not someone I want to trust in a playoff series against a, a Toronto or a Montreal or a Tampa. And someone that they obviously, but it maybe just downplays the fact that they don't need to go and get the big ticket. They don't need to get the Panarin or even the Stone, although if he's available, you definitely, you know, look into that. But maybe if you plug a Zuccarello or a Silverberg in there, it, it's just good enough. You know, just get somebody, a professional NHL player. With uh, some sort of scoring pedigree, and it, it can it can get that make that line consistent. So playoff experience that that whole uh, absolutely uh, sort of thing and, so, and versatility, right? The, the ability to change it up, which Cassidy does a bunch anyway. So, but right. if, but if DeBrusque plays well and Pasternak is back and healthy, which I guess is a big if, because right now you're looking at what mid March. Yeah, you think it's a four to six. Yeah, at least minimum thing? four. We'll say you know. I mean, so he's back with like a week or two left before the playoffs, and then he's going to have some rust, and you're going to be worried about the thumb. And how he's controlling the stick, you know, from the sure. pivot. Anyway, well, that's the biggest back. thing with this injury, right? You don't know how he's going to. It's going to respond to holding a stick. He might be able to, to write or do a push up or something, but you don't know if he's going to be able to to play hockey. Well, okay, so so let's say all that continues. This team keeps playing well, even when competition gets tougher. Pasternak comes back. He's healthy. He's feeling good. You put him back on the big line as you talk about it. Put him back with Martian and Bergeron. Then DeBrusque, Krejci, and. Uh, who am I forgetting? Well, either I guess Heinen is a possibility. Right. 
but well, the, the, that spot would be the guy you pick up on February twenty right. fifth. I mean, okay. that's, that's so what you, it is. You pick somebody up, and then yep. Heinen goes down to your quote unquote fourth line. Yeah, I mean, he plays there, and he, again, it's there's like you said, Bruce Cassidy likes to mix it up. And the fact is, you need you need everybody in the playoffs. You need every line. So you could say, oh yeah, Heinen's on the fourth line, but in the playoffs, that's going to be a huge line. You know, you're going to be on the road. You're not going to be able to control the matchups. You're going to need. Uh, some some pop from other places. You know, we know about secondary scoring in the postseason. That was their bugaboo last year, right? We talked about it uh, endlessly when they lost to Tampa. So right. if you have a Danton Heinen playing on your so-called fourth line, um, depending on who the center is, maybe Nordstrom moves to the center, and you got you know, Heinen, Nordstrom, and, and maybe a Bacchus or someone like that. Um, you know, that's a much stronger line, and it gives someone that uh, it's somebody, something. It's a line that uh, Cassidy can trust. Like the way he's trusting the uh, the Achari line. These it, days. It's a dangerous team. I mean, it it really is a cup contender. The NHL, it's it just. <laughs> you hate to sound cliche, but if you get in, yeah, we've seen nuttier things before, and this team has got enough of the season DNA and enough this week of showing the same metal they had last year that when things were going against them, it's not going to crumble them. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a cup contender if you add that that wing in the, in the top six and maybe get. A more experienced fourth line center, but if you don't do that, you're not going in with you're not going to go out in the playoffs with this team and say you're a cup contender. Except for the fact that you're going to you're going to rely on this, these goalies to steal to steal something for you, which is another big development of the week because <laughs> uh, all of a sudden Tuukka Rask is on an amazing roll. His last 13 games uh, coming into last night, he was 10-0 and two, so now 11 0 and two. Yep. Uh, with a sub two goals against average, and was fantastic last night. Uh, if you missed the game. The uh, the stacking of the pads save with five minutes to go in the second period on a basically a two on one that developed late uh, after the Bruins had killed off a penalty. That's the save of the night. Yeah, and absolutely, the save of the year probably. Maybe at the uh, very least, it's the save that will get him on the highlight reels and make all these people that think he's some sort of you know bloodless robot out there to know that he the he does play with emotion. He just doesn't have to make saves like that because he's so great at anticipating and positioning himself. He doesn't have to do that, but if it uh, if it keeps the yuckles uh, you know, happy, that's uh, great. Pull that out every once in a while and shut people up. Sunday Skate presented by Star Market and Wise Snacks. Ken Laird at TSN 690 in Montreal. Matt Kalman back in Boston at the WEI Studios. And I guess so the question is, what did we learn about the Bruins this week? And are they a cup contender to you? 617-779-7937. And those, you know, those are just, you know, Easy cliche topics, but I gotta believe Don Sweeney is asking himself the same thing. He did again, sort of double down last week, didn't he? Did he not? That uh, they're gonna make a trade. Yeah. I mean, he's basically if they, if, at this point, if they don't make a trade, the guy is just a total liar. He's he said repeatedly they're gonna be active, which must mean he believes they're a contender, at least enough so that uh, you know he keeps uh, banging the drum that we're gonna go and add a piece and, and take a run at this thing. Yeah, absolutely, and you know. It's everyone saying, "Oh, when's he going to make this trade? When's he going to make this trade?" I mean, we know there's been there's been a few trades here and there, but uh, everyone's kind of holding on to see how things go. I mean, you, you don't know what's going to happen in the next week between uh, Panarin in Columbus and then all these guys in Ottawa. You know, Stone, Duchesne, and, and Dezingle, what what they're going to do with them? And so it's kind of like in free agency when someone's waiting for the big dog to to sign, and then it kind of trickles down and everyone fills in. It's the same thing right now. Are these guys available? You don't want to. You know, spend assets to get a second-tier guy if you think you're going to be in the running for a Stone or a Panarin. So you have to be patient, and it looks like every team pretty much is going to wait until uh, you know three o'clock February 25th to get uh, to get this done. If you're the Bruins, I guess that's a smarter thing to do too, because uh, not only do the prices come down a little bit, or they you know typically you would expect they would, but you get a you get a look at the team this week playing better competition. And maybe that gives you a little more insight as to how big you need to go at the deadline, right? You're yeah. playing San Jose, you're playing St. Louis, who's white hot. 
and uh, who else? Well, Vegas. Yeah, on Vegas. Wednesday night. Right. Exactly. I think I think they pretty much know what they are. I don't think anyone's making too much big of an assessment on this, these three games. But but you're saying like, what do they get waxed in the three game skid going into the? Yeah, I don't deadline? think they react like that. Just like they're not going to say, "Oh, we won five in a row. We're not going to make any changes." I think it's just a matter of looking at it and saying, uh, you know, they've managed to clean up during this winning streak on these on these lower level teams, and they've they've put together enough points that they can get through at least the next week, even if they do get. Waxed, as you said, uh, they're still in a good position. They're not going to fall out of the playoff picture here, and you just have to wait till the till you know the prices and you know who's available. And uh, you know, I think I, I'd hate to see the phone lines here if uh, they traded you know a couple picks and a prospect for Zuccarello, and then Stone went for a similar price or something just a little more, and the Bruins didn't have the assets left. So you just have to be patient and see well, how those guys uh, how aren't really that far off, are they? I mean, Zuccarello. Is is much older, obviously. Yeah, he's older, and he's a, and he's what a pretty uh, experienced guy. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You definitely want to add him, but if you can add a Mark Stone, who's twenty six years old and is is an outstanding two way player, he's the kind of wing that you you've been looking for to, to to plug into a second line and a guy you can build around and a guy you can afford to pay uh, because you know if you can afford to pay Panarin, you can or you can afford to pay Tavares like they were looking for in the summer. Uh, you can obviously work around him and fill him in. He's a guy that you would, you would have fair for for years to come. So yeah, I mean, so the contracts become so. Mark Stone's an unrestricted free agent, the right. same as Artemi Panarin is. Yep. But there's a, more of a belief that Stone will resign here, correct? And, well, or re- resign anywhere. I mean, Panarin's on the record. I mean, I don't know why people keep dancing around this. He said, "I'm going to test the market." I Scored don't, two I, more last night, by the way. Absolutely, great player. But why do you even want to take a chance? Uh, not only do you have the July first, you know, deadline, but you have that that uh, wooing period the week before, where uh, who knows what people are going to, you know, bust out to try and convince him to leave. And so, if you know the guy's definitely going to market, you're definitely not paying a rental price for him. Well, it, I'm still not even convinced they're going to trade him. I mean, Columbus right. keeps winning. What's, exactly. I mean, this guy might not even be be moved. That would be pretty shocking. That was that's a Columbus team that was, as you said last week, they believe they were close to yeah making a Cup final. They were right. A post, whatever, away from beating the Capitals. Yeah, I mean, the only the only way it makes sense is if they if they know if they know and let's face it, their GM is pretty uh, you know pretty smart guy there. He if you can get s- some assets for Panarin and then you turn around and you trade them somewhere, whether it's to uh, you know to Ottawa to get a Duchesne or a Stone or somewhere else to, to get a, a similar type player. If, if you're going to you know replace Panarin as much as best as you can at the deadline and still be a contending team, then then it makes sense. It doesn't make sense to, for them to just trade it for futures and think. Um, they're going to be anywhere near here, you know, years from now. We all know uh, you should be in the now because you never know what's going to happen next year. People keep talking about what teams should do and how they should, you know, flex things and and and, and wait till next year. Waiting to next year is, you know, Steven Strasburg being healthy to to never pitch in a World Series. You know, so that you can't look at that. One of the other guys, like I'm looking at the TSN uh, top fifty trade bait tracker, yeah, and, and they got the you know Zuccarello in there at seventh. And Kevin Hayes sits there at sixth. Yeah. So this guy, they believe, is one of the you know top ten guys you could pick up here at the deadline. Absolutely. I mean, where where are the Bruins with Hayes after yeah. he jilted them and signed with the Rangers? <laughs> well, that's just it. He, for, that, that's the first sign to me that he's a little fickle, right? He's, he gets drafted by the Blackhawks, but doesn't want to go there. Goes to the Rangers. Um, you know, early in the year, I said this is the guy they have to get. I mean, he's the perf- He would be the perfect. A uh, third line guy who could play second if you need him. Uh, he's an excellent two way player, a great penalty killer. He's got all the tools. I just don't know about where his head's at, especially if he comes home. Um, I'm not even comparing him to his brother. I'm just comparing him to what a guy, to his own career, and, and the fact that uh, you know you don't know how much uh, he'll be able to handle that 
And plus, is there, is there bad blood between the Hayes? I don't think there's a bad blood at all. No, I Jimmy think Hayes was still here when he I signed think he, with the Rangers. You know, we, we've it? seen him be a little in and out. Uh, I, you know, not as engaged in the game as uh, at times with the Rangers, and he comes here and it'll be all those extra distractions and pressures. And plus, you know, he's a UFA, a younger UFA than Zuccarello. He's going to come at a pretty steep price. I mean, the Rangers don't have to trade him too. They they could resign him and keep him as part of their their rebuild. I mean, this is a young guy who's uh, been maybe their top two or three forward the whole year this year. You know, after that top line, he's definitely been their, one of their best players. So um, it's, you're going to pay a steep price for this guy in assets. You're going to pay a steep price to keep him in UFA and not know how much, you know, being at home will uh, kind of you know tarnish him. And you're not big on Simmons. So the TSN list has Panarin yeah. one. That's obvious. Then Duchesne and Stone, two and three. And then Wayne Simmons is your fourth uh, most pallet, you know, most yeah, intriguing think, pickup. I think Simmons, you know, for the price, I don't think the Flyers are going to lower their price from a first uh, and and more. And if you look at it now, you got to really wonder why they would trade him. I mean, the way they're playing right now, um, they could very easily be in the playoffs. So I don't know why they why they would trade him, or at least they they definitely wouldn't lower their price. And I just, to me, watching the couple of games in the last few weeks, he looks like that type of guy that looks good on paper, but I'm not so sure he's going to mix with, with the Brusque and, uh, and Krejci the way you want him to, and he might slow them down, and there's not much power play time for him. Do you want to break up this power play that's been top three or four the whole year? Uh, that first unit doesn't even let the second unit get on the ice most of the time. Where, where do you plug Wayne Simmons in? And if you're not playing him on the power play, uh, you know, he's just going to, that's less ice time for him, that's less flow of the game for him, and it makes it even harder. You know, you brought the power play. I thought about that too because uh, one of the, uh, DeBruskel's was on the power play Saturday in Anaheim, and it was Krejci setting it up with those great hands. He's not even on that unit normally. Right, exactly. Uh, so that's I mean, Pasternak's spot. So they're they're already six deep. Um, exactly. Yeah. So you, it's not a priority at all. Uh, absolutely. I mean, you don't, and, and it's not only just a priority. You don't want to touch that. I mean, the chemistry is there. I mean, obviously, if you if you got a Wayne Simmons, he would just, I guess he would just plug into DeBrus spot and. But what's what's what is that? What do you gain from that? That's not except for the fact that he'd be on the ice, you know, staying in the flow of the game. But uh, it's a steep price to pay for a guy like that, who you don't uh, quite know. I mean, every, everyone says he's deteriorating. I've heard that from everyone. Not one person has said to me, "Oh yeah, this is a guy you bring back uh, for a four or five, six year deal that he's going to look for this summer." So you know, you really have to look first and foremost for rentals that you can keep, not. Uh, not the especially at the prices they're at anyway. So Mark Stone is your guy. Am I reading that correctly? Absolutely. You, I mean, and you would give up for him? Well, the, a first round pick. At the I wrote earlier this week. This is that's the one player I would consider giving up DeBrusque for. A for, so just a brusque and, a, and you're keeping your picks. You're giving up DeBrusque. DeBrusque and, and, and a, a secondary prospect of some kind. Maybe or you know you have to think about maybe not the not maybe not this year's first. Maybe the twenty twenty first. If you, especially if you have a a good feeling that you're going to resign Mark Stone. I mean, that guy is is pretty great player, and he's the type of player they need at this point. You know, Jake DeBrusque is a great player too, but Mark Stone has all these years of experience under him now. He's he's a, he's an established player, not a guy that uh, the coach would have to you know not get, disappear send the message series, to exactly the way Jake. That's you know, a, Jake DeBrusque been in almost this year. It is a I, steep I price, but give you up have the to, first round pick. I mean, yeah, and, but and I don't. One of your I don't know if that prospects. Just, I don't know if that just gets it done at this point. They don't have the. They don't have the mint prospects that the Senators would want. Of course, we're talking about the Senators who gave away, you know, as far as experts go, what they say about what they got for Eric Carlson, it sounds like they got a box of Twinkies for him. So, you know, that might turn out to be wrong. But, uh, so maybe you can put one over on the Senators if they think that they're not going to resign any of these guys. Maybe you can get any one of the three 
uh, would fit here and not have to you know touch the first round pick or any of your top prospects. Now, why Stone over Duchesne? Because that was a name we were throwing around last year when he was you know before he got yeah, I dealt think, to Ottawa. I think Duchesne just because he's just a, such a true center. But can't you just play him at center and and now now you're a Charlie line? What you can use them as a fourth line, but a matchup line. Yeah, but and, what are you, and, what, are you what are you looking at past past this year with that though? If he's playing the center, you still have Krejci on the contract. You're going to go three how, centers. What's how wrong much, with three good centers? Yeah, but how much are you paying this third center? So now you're gonna, he's going to he's already he's but, making six right now. They've already the been on record bit. that he he was offered eight eight times eight. And you turned it down. And he turned it down. Jesus. So you're going to do... Uh, no, nah, he's, a, he's a rental then. Exactly. And you, you can't meet the price that they want at this point. But again, Ottawa Senators, you never know. They might uh, they might say, yeah, we'll give them to you for a couple of seconds. But I'm not... Uh, don't hold your breath on that one. Is Ottawa going to deal in the division too? That's that's another thing. Oh, yeah. I think at this point... No, well, that's no just trouble? It. They didn't want to trade Hoffman to the division. He ended up in the division. So maybe they learned their lesson. Uh, you know, they dealt him and then the, he got dealt to the Panthers. And uh, maybe after the backlash they got for that, they realized that this is the dumbest trade strategy in the history of the world. That get the get the most you can for your players. Don't worry about what uh, team he winds up on if it's in your division or not. Especially when you're in a rebuild and you weren't going to compete with these teams anyway. Yeah. All right. So late night Bruins get it done four to two. They've won five in a row. They're in second place, seven zero and three in their past ten. They're on pace here for one hundred and six points, uh, which is back to back. Prove it season, sort of, to the fan base that we are legitimate. Yeah. Uh, granted, they got whacked in five games to Tampa last year, so you hate to get sucked in too far on a week <laughs> where Tampa keeps winning. They're 15 points ahead of the second best team in the league, and yeah, you beat some bad competition. As good as Chicago was, you know, streaking coming in, you, you know, you're mopping up right. against some bad teams this week. So, not to get too overreactionary, but you're doing it also without Pasternak and uh, showing a lot of team metal and toughness. So. Just trying to get a sense of where the Bruins are right now in your mind. Give us a call, 617-779-7937. I see our old buddy Fred New Hampshire is hanging on the line. So we'll get Freddie, but I think we better take a break. Freddie needs some space to <laughs> stretch his legs out, you know what I mean? Absolutely. So on the other side, we'll do that. We'll talk more about the trade deadline uh, and uh, where the Bruins should go. And we'll dive deep into the Kalman, uh kevin Miller trainer story. That was maybe your finest work this week of all, oh, of all of them. <laughs> I thought it was pretty good work, other than the trainer story. That one didn't suck me in. But he had a pretty good week otherwise. It's Laird, it's Calvin, it's Sunday Skate on Sports Radio WEI. You're listening to Sunday Skate with Ken Laird from the Mud and Callahan Show and WEI.com Bruins writer Matt Calman. Sunday Skate is brought to you by Wise Snacks and by Star Market, the official supermarket of the Boston Bruins. Yeah, it doesn't change my approach at all. I mean, I've been having <clears throat> calls for a month now, at least, if not longer, in terms of throughout the year, but specifically in the last month, uh, trying to identify teams. And, and you can imagine the jockeying uh, going on and everywhere and all the teams that are in that some teams don't know, and they'll take it right to the deadline. So um, that may happen. Um, we've been looking to, to do something, but if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Don Sweeney earlier in the week after Pasternak's issue, his Sunday night issue. Ken Laird, Matt Cowan at Sunday Skate, presented by Star Market and Wise Snacks. And you're not going to speculate wildly as to what happened to Pasternak? You're just going to go, <laughs> fell, and that, that's all there is to it. I think you have enough, enough uh, on-air talent that's going to speculate about stuff like that. I think I'll sit that one out. Did you, did, did you get any uh, creative tweets about the subject anyway? or uh... Creative tweets? Oh, See, yeah. That should have been your column at EEI.com. Here's Absolutely. What, here are all the people, what everybody has suggested happened yeah. to Pasternak. I think that was... Click, Clicks for, Clicks for Cowman was going was gonna to do that one, but he uh, he changed his mind. Uh, you also got a nice creative tweet here, I see. 
Won't waste my time, LMAO. I'd most likely experience a loss of brain cells. The Boohoo Tuca crew, uh, as bad as green teamers defending Jalen Brown, let's see if he gets diarrhea dripping down his leg come playoff time. Isn't that wonderful? That in regards to Tuka Rask, of course, and yes. the uh, streak that he's on. Imagine if he played sick that day and he gave up five goals, what would ha- what, what the story would have been. I mean, geez. Can't uh, win. I, I don't even think that's an issue anymore. Much as I would like to oh beat the God. goaltending controversy, I mean, this is a one-two goaltending punch now that is all the more reason for Sweeney to be active at the trade deadline. Absolutely. I mean, this is what you built the team for. And again, you know, the, the Berger, look at how Bergeron's playing. I mean, look at... Uh, the way this core is playing, you have to build around them. You have to to go for it. And I mean, the only only concern would be Tuca left the team for a little bit early in the season. Is yeah. that any that possibility was, of recurring, or I, that's all set? Doesn't seem like it. I mean, obviously anything can happen, but it sounds like uh, you know that was probably the best thing to happen to this team was he, he left and got uh, his act together, and he's been uh, lights out since then. So and I think the po- uh, the Pasternak injury could be the, one of the best things to happen to this team. For for some reason, whatever, <laughs> it's gotten DeBrusque into gear. Yeah, well, we'll see in. Uh, We'll talk next Sunday about that after they play San Jose, Vegas, and St. Louis and tell right. me how they did without Bostonok. But, uh, you know, I mean, you know, again, he says there he's not going to change his, uh, his philosophy going to the deadline. It's not going to change. That's the whole point of this job. This is the way every good GM handles the job, right? You don't react to what, uh, to what, to a little, you know, a little bit of the track record here. You have to look at the big picture. And so he knows what he needs. He still needs it. Does he need more of it without Bostonok? Well, I don't think they're going to go crazy to replace Pasternak, knowing he's he's definitely going to come back this year, even if it's a little later than they hoped. You know, the, the, all these little tropes that people have that oh, you know, Sweeney's sitting on his hands, or oh, they have to, they're not they won seven in a row, so they're not going to make a deal, or they lose three in a row, they're going to make three deals. It doesn't work like that, you know. The guy's looking at the big picture. It's the same way I get all these tweets about whether or not they're showcasing Solarik or they're showcasing Coleman. I mean. These are things that happened 20 years Showcasing ago. Showcasing Carson Coleman? Exactly. I got a tweet like that yesterday. Can you believe that? No one no one really gets showcased anymore. Can we just like put that on the back burner? Every team has a million scouts at every AHL, NHL, junior game. Those are my favorite this time. They year. watch which, the, which they watch the video. To the game? Oh, my God. The best is the scouts. They show the scout list, and then you look at the seats that sit empty, okay? There, there have been guys on the on the scout list, the Bruins games this year, I've, that I've seen once all year, and they've been on the list every game. But you know, every, anything to get some retweets, so people do that, and it's just there's all these things that go on. I mean, I hate to be you know, I hate to be Debbie Downer here, but I hate to, to give you the reality. But maybe uh, for one hour a week, I just give you some hockey reality, I do some myth busting, and uh, maybe people like that. I don't know. Well, you want hockey reality? Let's go to our <laughs> next caller, and that's Fred New Hampshire for oh. his 2019 debut on Sunday Skate. There you go. The captain of the Rick Nash fan club last year. What's He's going to keep on, it Freddie? real. No, no, Nash. I told you, Morning, <laughs> Matt. Uh, Matt, I love Montreal. I love that city. I just hate that team, that <laughs> hockey team. But it's a uh, yeah, team is coached by the Jack Adams favorite. You know. You know what? You know what? I'm uh, I'm enjoying the season. It's uh, you know second place right now, and what a pretty goal by Marchant last night, huh? That was beautiful, beautiful. Um, you know, Cassidy's grooming this fourth line to go out and take care of the. The number one line in every team in the league. I mean, what's that going to mean come playoff time? If he can send the fourth line out, a third line, fourth line, whatever, if he can send them out to take out the number one line, what's that going to do for the the first and second line? Exactly. I mean, it it is. I mean, I started noticing and I'm going, why did he send that line out? 
and they they just they just eliminate them. They just they take them out of the play. They do the the first line does nothing. But um, all that being old. said, Freddie. All that being said. In yeah. the end, last year they couldn't score enough. Are are they in the same position now? Even if they've got a second shutdown line, they can't score enough. No, and that's why they got to make a, a deal at the at the trade deadline. And I want Wayne the train. And I know Ken, you said mm. that uh, he's he's lacking. But I remember when Ray Bork got sent out of here. He was a minus, a minus for the first time, on the plus minus, and he gets sent to Colorado. And look what I mean. It, sometimes it's the people you're playing around. It, it makes you what you are. I mean, like Kovalchuk, I, I keep telling Calman that he's, he's playing on a bad team. You should get him here. Jeez, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Come on, Freddie. Did you see that? He, that was the goal of the night last night. Retirement home, okay? I'm ready to, to feed him uh, applesauce. They wanted okay? him in the off season. What's changed? It's only a couple months later. Have you seen him play? Yes. Great goal yeah. last night. Oh, great goal. Yeah, he's a, he's a star. Anyways, um, <laughs> Halak and Tuka. I mean, solid goaltending. Solid. And um, Tuka stacking the pads. Where'd that come from? Ken Dryden? That was something out of that I hadn't seen in years and years and years. Um, uh, Carlos, he seems to get his game back. That's one of, and thanks for the call, Freddie. That's one of the foundational D men that Calman keeps beating the drum about. Absolutely, it's going to make the difference this year. Well, you know what? The only thing it's it's a it's a, a bummer about this season so far is I can't have pasta for at least two weeks. Okay, <laughs> I'm telling you, Wayne the train, go for him. That's your yeah. guy. All right, Freddie. We'll mark you down for it. Wayne Simmons is the uh, Fred New Hampshire. You know, I'm not completely ruling out Wayne Simmons. I'm just saying you don't want to pay the rental price for him at this point, knowing that you're definitely not re-signing this guy for the money and the years he's going to want, considering the type of player he is and the way he has, uh, you know, has already started on a, on a slight deterioration here. By the way, uh, he mentioned Montreal. I think he had us reversed. I'm in uh, Montreal. You're in, in <laughs> Boston. But just to set the, the mood for you here, I'm in the Tony Marinero studios. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm l- watching curling on TSN. Uh, in case you're oh interested, Prince Edward Island is... I hope you're having waffles with maple syrup. Not yet, but that'll be afterwards. Prince Edward Island, 14. Newfoundland, Labrador, 3. It's a total blowout. Blowout city here. But I was listening to the Canadian sports talk yesterday. They had Habs lunch, all right? Yep. It could have been a replay of our show last week <laughs> because they can't score either. It's a typical Claude Julian team. Their the power play is abysmal. Yeah, uh, well, I guess so. That's not a, exactly uh, alike because right. the Bruins' power play is, is carrying well, no, special but, teams. But Claude Julian, though, that, yes. that was always the issue. Correct. Uh, but they spent a half hour talking about Artemi Panarin and whether you know the, the Canadians mm. are legit enough. And I would say most of the folks on the panel believe they are, and, and that's a team that's on the bubble uh, because they've hung in there with some elite. No, they didn't last night. They got they got uh, shut up by Tampa. Right. But there are a lot of teams having the same conversation, you know. Absolutely, which, who I mean, would go for the deadline? That's, so, what, that's what this league is right now. It's a bunch of what's it about? Thirty-one teams. There's like four teams that are definitely legit elite. There's about four teams that we know are going to be playing golf the first week in April, and then the rest of the league is maybe one Artemi Panarin away from winning the cup or not. You know, it's like. And by the way, the the team that's uh, in a playoff spot right now, Carolina, had a pretty sneaky trade earlier in the year for Nito Niederreiter. Right. And that guy has been awesome. So well, that was a player-for-player player swap that may be the trade, maybe better than any trade uh, that happens in the next two yeah. weeks in the and NHL. That's, and that's one that, again, is a, uh, a change of scenery trade. And 
So that's what you're talking about with Kovalchuk or Simmons or you know any of these uh, any of these guys that uh, are on bad teams, and we've seen it happen before that guys get revitalized when they change teams. But you know you got just yeah again you have to just judge where you're going to spend in futures to do that to take a chance that you find the right guy that's going to find the spark. Uh, the other thing people have been squawking at you about that I have seen is just an overall complaint that Bacchus and Moore, who are never playing oh these God. days, and are getting myths. paid way too much money, Listen, which is accurate. I mean, you can't deny two, that, right? Two two separate things. David Bacchus, yes, it was it's it's a mistake what they're paying him. It was a mistake the year they gave him. The John Moore thing is not a mistake. It's well, not, they gave him a five-year deal. The guy's not playing. Who cares about how cares if you give him a ten-year deal? He's making two point seven five million. You can bury that in the minors. You can buy him out. You can trade him. Everybody. First of all, the guy's not a bad player, right? He's a pretty good above average third pair defenseman who could play up in the in the line if you need him. He could play second power play. The guy has had a pretty good year. If you, if you didn't have John Moore this year when you had six defensemen out of the lineup with injuries, where would you be at this point? The guy is a good player. Even if he wasn't that good of a player, it's so teams always need NHL defensemen. You can trade him for a fifth, sixth round pick if you needed to clear that cap space. He's making the same amount of money that Adam McQuaid was making, so it's just McQuaid out more in. It's not handcuffing you in any way. The Bacchus thing is an albatross in their cap. There's no doubt about that. They're, they're going to pay for that, you know, this year, next year, you, you name it, because you can't even buy him out. The the the, um, the structure of his of his bonuses in that contract, you don't get any cap relief from buying him out next year. So you're not you obviously it's hampering you, but the John Moore thing is ridiculous. People keep saying five years. Who cares about five years? Well, can, in three in four years when he's still not playing, and you're paying the guy three million bucks. It's less. It's less year. than three million, and the cap goes up every year. If the cap, you're going to have all these new TV deals coming up, the cap is going to keep expanding. This isn't any. You have to pay NHL players to play in the National Hockey League. This is a fact that some people on Twitter just never want to accept. And the fact is, if you if you didn't have John Moore right now, who would be in that spot? You'd have a rookie like Zaboro. a Jer- you'd have a rookie like a Zaboro or a yes. Jeremy Lazon or someone like that for the Pete Bruins last night. Who, okay, you, you, now you have injuries in the playoffs, and you're and you're turning to these guys with no experience who you, you don't even know how good they are in the NHL. Instead, you have John Moore on demand, ready to go in there and step in and play. Uh, the way he's played most of the season, so I don't know why people keep I mean, losing you need their that, mind. Though, over Matt, this. you can you can trade a fourth round pick for a veteran defenseman at the deadline every year, but you don't have to now. Now you have a guy who's Who doing that, and you pick? have him for five years. I'd rather have three why million dollars in cap space because what, what happens is what would you have done with like that three million year, cap space? Oh they're my God. trading this Matt Bolesky's contract sense. to get Rick. You know, part of the Rick Nash deal was that get, well, getting out from under contracts, right? And, getting out from a, a contract that was dumb. This is not this was not a dumb contract. The two point seven five million for your sixth or seventh defenseman is. Not dumb for a well, guy. It's not who, as dumb as Bacchus and Bolesky, but it's, it's it's up there. It's a totally different stratosphere because it's not dumb at all. It's just the way you have to do it. You build your team. You have to build your team with players, and you. Need so you're saying this guy's like Brian players. Hoyer, and it's just worth it. Just keep Brian Hoyer. around. If I knew who Brian Hoyer was, I would agree with you absolutely. <laughs> all right, coming up, we got to select the uh, player of the week. Is he a wrestler or something? What is yes, that? Yes, yes, he is okay. a wrestler. Uh, Dale Arnold's favorite. <laughs> I think the uh, Wise Snacks Player of the Week is going to be actually a tussle this week, so I'm going to tease that ahead. It's a teasable. I think it's going to be a tough. Last week was easy, right? It was Bergeron. It was all about the 1,000 mm-hmm. game, everything else. Yep. I'm going to put it to you next and see who you feel like the star of the week was for the Bruins. It's Sunday Skate. We're presented by Wise Snacks and Star Market. This is Sports Radio WEI. You're listening to Sunday Skate with Ken Laird from the Mud and Callahan Show and WEEI.com Bruins writer Matt Kalman. Sunday Skate is brought to you by Wise Snacks and by Star Market, the official supermarket of the Boston Bruins. 
Bergeron in pursuit against Pepe. Bergeron scores! A one-hander to bury the Kings off with their heads! <laughs> Jack Edwards, the call on Nesson last night. Bergeron put it away with 36 ticks left. Iced it, really, 4-2. to two. Uh, Not his best call tonight. His best call tonight was end of debate after Marchand scored that goal. Uh, right after yapping with Carter off the faceoff in the second period, Matt Kalman. That was uh, he never he never fails the to Jack like, highlight. He never fails to cite some sort of violence in his calls. Huh? Yeah, he's a little angry, hands, a little violent. Yeah. Well, how about you during the break comparing uh, the Pasternak injury to mud at Saratoga? I thought that was way out of line, <laughs> uh, but you won't go in the air with that. That's fine. That's the way you feel. Uh, it's time now for the Wise Snacks Player of the Week, brought to you by Wise Snacks. And uh, the extra cheesy cheese doodles at Bravo Stadium's nachos are available right now, Matt. So you can grab those. I'm going to defer to you this week. I don't want to lead you in any direction, one way or the other. Uh, you take it away. Who is the uh, player of the week? 4-0 and oh this week for the Bees. Who's the player of the week? Jake DeBrusque. Okay. They needed him. You know, he talked about when Pasternak went down, that guys were going to have to pick their game up. He didn't like his game. And uh, what, a goal and two assists against Chicago, goal last night. Yeah, three straight games of the goal. Actually, three straight games of the goal for the first time this year. So, yep. After the thirteen game drought, the the I think the bigger um, moment for him last night, the assist on the McAvoy game winner. Yep. Was sneaky, awesome, nice little sauce there over the uh, over the down uh, the, the laid down stick, uh, short side as uh, as uh, McAvoy cut in. Yeah, and huge and huge to see McAvoy get involved in the offense there. You know, I mean, the guy yep. uh, sometimes he had have, a good week. Sometimes you have to, you know pay him off to, to get him to shoot the puck, but not only did he shoot it a couple times last night, he went to the net there on that give and go and, and scored the goal. And It's so weird because you would think when a guy gets rewarded like that, he would keep doing it, but it seems like every time he does get some sort of reward for his shooting or his aggressive offensive play, he he reverts right back to his shell. So hopefully, you know, for the Bruins, he keeps that going. I thought I'd have to argue for DeBrusque because you're you know, president of the uh, Tuca fan club. Is the Absolutely, the Boohoo Tuca crew. I just read on Twitter that our hit song is Oh Me So Goalie. That was the great tweet. I love that. So goalie. Uh, well, he had a good week. We only won two because Halak uh, had yeah, to shut exactly. out, right? So, so, you know, you'd have to give them to both of them because, I mean, Halak, Halak had just as a spectacular game as uh, Tuka because, you know, when you play against these uh, these low-level ho- hockey teams like Anaheim and L.A., they're playing so loosey-goosey. They tend to get these breakaways and these easy chances because they're not get, they're not you know going back too hard on defense. So Halak had to make some big saves too. So, uh, but the double pad stack save last night. This, by the way, came after a critical stretch, right? Because Kovalchuk yeah. scores the goal on the power right. play. Then the bees have to kill it off a uh, another one after the Chara hold. Kevin Miller's blocking one in front. Sure. And then you get like this loose two on one, and Rask goes old school with the pad stack. Did, yeah. he, did he need to do it, though? Or was it just like a little extra Yeah, flare? I thought of that, too. But you know what? What the heck? Might as well do it. Shut some people up. Get Make the save. Get, make the highlights. And, uh, you know, let's face it. You know, they weren't exactly 100% strong on defense there. Uh, you know, uh, Tory Krug had to fish one puck off the goal line. Yeah. Uh, Chara had to block one on a wraparound. So, um you know, not no perfection there. Plenty of room for improvement. And uh, whatever. Do some dramatics, you know. This way... This way, every time somebody brings up the Tuca doesn't show emotion, we could just say, hey, look at that one. Anybody who disagrees with Matt about anything, just tweet at him, because he responds to everybody. And I mean everybody. <laughs> like, people with two followers, it is highly entertaining. Absolutely. So especially if you hate Tuca Rask, just tweet at Matt Kalman all week, because uh, it provides good fodder for us here on the show. One hour is not enough. But <laughs> I feel like we were a proper lead-in for my good buddies, Jerry Callahan, Mike Mandansky, Chris Curtis. A special edition of Mutton Callahan in Fort Myers this morning. Coming up, Maddie. What do you think they got oh, for us today? Oh, probably some talk about Saturday Night Live, I'm sure. A little SNL talk? I'm yep. sure Jerry loved that. 
little pasta knock uh, talk. And next week I'll be doing the show from Moose Jaw. Okay. So <laughs> you're in my show now. Good, I'll be in Moose good, Jaw good. next That's week. That's a good trend. Uh, hey, 17 of 20 points for the Bruins in their last 10 games. They are uh, surging right now. So think about that. And uh, a big week because they got uh, the Sharks, they got Vegas. And they got St. Louis, who's won, uh, like, what, 10 in a row? It's going to be a brutal week. It's going to remind me of uh, the playoffs when one week we had the Bruins sweeping and next week we were talking about the end of the Bruins. So, All right, it's five <laughs> degrees where I am in Montreal. It's 85, I think, in Fort Myers. So we uh, we switch from the ice and we go to uh, the sounds of baseball. First full squad workout tomorrow. Callahan's been scouting on the backfields. Looking forward to it. Maddie. we'll talk to you next Sunday. Sounds good. Mutt and Callahan next.